to the truth in this art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and I am thrilled to welcome my next guest. They're a true force in the creative industry, known for her work as the founder and publisher of the award-winning Sugarcane Magazine, this internationally lauded digital and print platform dedicated to showcasing and celebrating global Black art and culture. Please welcome Melissa Hunter Davis. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. Um, I, I like the three word names. It's just lends itself to being like an acronym. You know, that's, that's what I feel like. I wish I had that. I just like Rob Lee, it's just six letters. Eh, I get nothing. Gotcha. No respect. No respect <laughs> here. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm just really super excited and thrilled to have you on. And one of the things that I like to do when I have a guest on is kind of go back to sort of bedrock, sort of the origin, you know, if you say in the beginning. So, you know, could you share a bit about your background and what first inspired you to explore, like create the creative industry and particularly in a realm of like, you know, African-American art and culture? You know, I feel like I started probably like everyone who majored in anything in the arts in college, whether it was theater, dance, visual arts, you know, at the end of the day, you were always looking for yourself because when you took classes, whether it was in high school or college, no one talked about Black playwrights. They didn't talk about Black artists. You know, they didn't really talk about Black dance. It was as if we didn't exist. And so you spend your next four years looking for yourself. Mm. Um, so I think that's, you know, ultimately what's piqued my interest in being hyper-focused on Black art. So when I was in college, um, I had this incident where we were supposed to direct a scene. It sounds so dumb. And I still, I keep saying it, but I keep forgetting the name of this. It's a, a, a Black playwright, but he's not a well-known Black playwright. And I did, I need to find that play so that I get this name correct. But I decided to direct a scene from one of his shows and I caught a lot of hell from my theater teacher because he had never heard of him. And I was like, I don't know what you mean. Like I showed him the compilation. It was a compilation of African-American plays. Like, um, here, here it is. What, what else do you need? Right. And he's like, you know, well, I don't know. This is a real, a, a real playwright. He never, he didn't have any black playwrights in in his head, he he never bought any. He didn't know of any. He probably only knew, knew of Raisin in the Sun. And that's it. And that's not unusual. I had an intern who said she never heard about Black artists. She had a, a degree in art history. They never talked about Black art in her degree program. And she just graduated, like, what, 2017? That's So <laughs> this is not, yeah, it's not unusual. You know, we're always looking for ourselves, you know, in the outside world. And I feel like that's really where this focus on Black art it really came from. And that when I was in high school, yeah. I performed a poem by a Black poet. And my mother was afraid because I went to predominantly white, um, predominantly white high school. And she thought that like I would alienate my friends. And I was like, I don't care. Child, we gonna do this poem. That is the end. <laughs> I love it. And we always had those conversations like where she thought like I was going overboard. I'm like, I'm black, I can't, what? what do you want from me? You know, there's no hiding this. There's no, there's nothing, there's nothing's gonna hide this. This is who I am. Um. And I think that's why, you know, like I just, I stayed here. You know, yeah. these are the stories that I want to tell. I want to tell our stories. I thought our stories are cool and fascinating and interesting and global because it's different all over the world. You know, yeah. it's different yet the same. So that's that's what got me there. And that's what keeps me there. I, like I, it. We're, we're, dope, we're dope people. 100%. We really are dope people. I mean, I, I run into different things at times. It's this thing I've been telling people recently that I experienced, and I think it speaks to sort of that lack of awareness and sort of representation of that area. I've had more and more people tell me, oh, you don't look like a podcaster. I was like, what does that mean? I was like, I want to go in this way, just naturally, like, you you mean because I'm 6'4", right? 
you know, you need that, right? And it's like, oh, no, you mean black. Got it. And or like this is done so well, so professional. It's like this is I don't know what to do with this. It's, it's so many, so many different things. And <laughs> it just speaks on like to me, I look at a person that's almost that, that may say something like that. It's almost having lack of vision. It's like you're not right. going deep enough. And, right. you know, you need there, there are several of us, you know, <laughs> when yes. in, in Baltimore, you know, we're a decently sized city. We're not a huge city, but, you know, there are more than one black podcaster here, more than two, you know, that are doing like really interesting right. work. So I think that it kind of extends to the idea around who are the black artists? It's like you can you can go deeper yeah. if you look, you know. Right. Right. Absolutely. So what comes to mind is short, sort of your like first experience in kind of appreciating art, appreciating creativity. Cause uh, I think we get to like, this is the real story why I got like really interested in it, but maybe sort of that first instance where you're like, how do they make that? You know what I mean? Like it might yes. be a movie or something you're like, wow, you know, creativity. Wow. You took that, you know, this, you adapted this book and now it's a movie or, or what have you talk, yes. talk about maybe that sort of first experience. And I think that that goes further back at times that, you know, mm -hmm. you either creating or experiencing art. What was that sort of first experience for you that comes to mind? So a few things, a, my mother, she couldn't afford to buy art from, artist but she bought her art from the furniture stores and when she but she didn't buy like she didn't buy the set that came with like the sofa the chair and the painting that goes over she didn't do that yeah but she liked she liked abstract art mm -hmm. and she was you know she was just like i like abstract art that was what she really liked um and so she would buy interesting pieces some that i didn't understand but i always would like kind of sit and look at as a kid yeah. Um, also, we didn't have cable. Mm. So all of my friends had cable. I remember they were like all talking about when Michael Jackson's uh, when was it not beat it came out. Um, thriller, like when yeah. Thriller came out, like everybody was watching the child stuff for me. We didn't have cable. So <laughs> like ain't no cable in my house. I had to watch it. Eventually somebody had it on at their house and I got a chance to finally see it. But and I think that was actually years later. Oof. <laughs> like, girl, so, that's old. <laughs> by that time, it was old. But because we didn't have cable, we had oh. I had like the regular channels and I had PBS. Yeah. And to me, PBS was everything. Mm -hmm. So I got a chance to watch the opera. I got a chance to watch um, all of the British television shows, which was like, to me, you couldn't tell me nothing because I was watching um, Doctor Who. Um, are you being served? Oh, there was a, a couple of other ones, but I got a chance to watch all the British shows. Um, what else? I got a chance to see National Geographic, um, wonderful documentaries. I had all of this access to the arts that I would not have had if not for PBS, because A, we didn't have cable. B, we lived in Indiana. We lived in, I'm from Gary, Indiana, mm. which is about 30 minutes outside of Chicago. My mother used to commute to work every day. So before I was born up until I was maybe like two, she would get up at probably four or five in the morning get us dressed. She would drop me off at my grandmother. She would hop on the train, go to work. She would get home at eight o'clock at night, pick me up from my grandmother, come home only to sleep a few hours and do this over and over Oof. again. So she hated going to Chicago. So those were, that was our only option to go see, you know, great plays or to go to the orchestra. But I didn't have to do that anymore because we had PBS. So that was my, like, my window to the world. Yeah. And truthfully, that was also the call, the call letters for the station um, for the PBS channel in Chicago, WTTW, window to the world. So nice. that was really how I got into the arts. And then when my grandmother died, I was eight years old. My mother decided to go back to college and she had to take all of her humanity courses and all of the, you know, the basic courses you take until you get into your major. And she didn't have a babysitter. So she had to take me with her. And I went with her to her art history class. Oh. And I was in love. You, oh my God. I loved going to class with her. It was so fun. I loved her art history book. And so at the end of the semester, she would sell her books back to the bookstore to get her new books. And I begged her, please don't give this book up. Please <laughs> let me have it. And she let me have it. And I could, 
cut out. I cut out the pictures and taped them to my wall of everything that I liked. But that was like, I was in love with the arts because to me, the arts represented like good living. Like, you know, to me, that was being rich. Yeah. I didn't know about money. I didn't know, you know, how much money you need to be rich. I didn't know what the the, the IRS tax bracket was that says that you were in the 1%. But I knew that the having the arts in your life meant you had a rich life. And that's where I was sold. I just wanted the arts in my life forever. That's that's wonderful. Thank, thank you for for sharing that. I, it, made, it made me think of um, when we used to get art, we'd have that sort of, you know, African Panther, you know, the black couple, we, we would have that. We, we didn't have anything that was abstract art. It was like, yo, this is very black. Like, what is this? Like, is that Wakanda? And so you, you'd, you'd have that sort of vibe. And yeah, you know, big shout out to PBS um, and also cut the check. But big shout out to PBS in that regard, because like, you know, I I love like cooking shows. And I used yes. to watch cooking shows all the time with my grandmother, mm-hmm. Julia Child, the whole thing, right? Yes. And um, even reading Rainbow, you know, here in a local affiliate, and you're able to kind of like get this sort of different vibe. And I one, I think that stuff should be funded a bit further than it does get. But that's just something that just kind of, you know, sparks the sort of like creative juices. And it's like, wow, there's a large world out there. Um, And even now, you know, it's still here when I talk about like the origins, right? I I watch cooking shows all the time. When I go to a different city, I'm like, all right, where's Food Network? I'm going to learn something. And from the culinary arts perspective, or even here locally in Baltimore, I'll dive in. There's like, this is the Japanese PBS world or what have you. And I was like, I don't speak Japanese, but I'm going to watch this because I'm going to learn something culturally that I am not aware of. Yes. I love that. So... I want to I want to go into this sort of next question um, about Sugarcane, you know, Sugarcane magazine. So could you, you know, give us an overview of, of the concept and the mission and ultimately like how it differs from like other publications? And, you know, because yeah, we're, we're for the culture and I hear so many folks that are about that. And I'm like, but you're not, though. Whereas, you know, when I mentioned I'm talking about this a little bit, I've been talking this up a little bit. I was like, oh, you know, the great Melissa Hunter and Davis coming on and, you know, Sugarcane magazine. You know, they're like, how'd you, how'd you get her? I was like, eh, you know, just pull a few strings here and there. So talk talk about the mission. You know somebody the who knows somebody. I <laughs> <laughs> pressed a few keys, a few, a few, uh, few emails, you know. So 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 share, you know, like the the mission and the concept around it and ultimately like what makes it such a such a unique and and a really beloved like publication. You know, sugarcane archives the culture. You know, that's our our new tagline. So in 2006, I was on a job that I hated and I was ready to quit. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, no, before 2006, 2004, I was ready to quit um, and didn't know that I was pregnant at the time. And I was ready to quit this job. But in the meantime, I was doing the work for the job, right? So I was asked to put together this cultural season for a community center, but they didn't have the money to send me to New York um, so that I could see the shows that were being offered and start the process of booking them. So I just went online and started Googling. And I thought it was just really weird that there was no website dedicated to Black art and culture. It just, it didn't exist. I think even at the time, I'm not sure if Ebony was online yet, but I don't think Ebony even had a website at that point. Um, Cause that was one of the, the, some of the criticisms of a lot of black publications is that they had not gone online at, at that as quickly as everyone else had. So you just really couldn't find anything. There were some some small Nigerian sites. Um, OK Africa was around, but OK Africa only focused on music at the time. That was it. It was strictly African music. They didn't start focusing on a wider audience until much later. So there was just nothing there. And I thought that was weird. And I would... I decided then to create sugarcane, but I was always looking for competition. Like I just thought, I know somebody is going to do this. You know, this is not just me. And I was so surprised that I couldn't find anything. So I just went for it. And the goal was to have a place where we archived Black art and culture, where we talked to artists and, you know, asked them about their practice and learned about what they did and made sure that that information was available to all to, to read and see. I do believe in making art equitable. I don't believe that your geography should dictate your access. 
I believe that you should have access to people who look like you, um, who um, come from your, probably from your same neighborhood, who have gone on to do well. I believe that you should have access to their stories. And so that's really important to me. And, and that's where we started. And I'm really blessed to have, you know, really great writers and people who have, who've signed on to be a part of this. This is, I'm, I'm really proud of the work that I do. That does not mean that I don't have bad days where I ask myself, like, is this important? I don't know. Because, you know, it's hard being a Black publication. You know, let's not try to act like, oh, it's great. No, <laughs> it's not always great. This is very difficult. It, you know, you have to convince people of your worth um, mm -hmm. all over. You know, you have to convince artists. You have to convince writers. You have to convince, you know, advertisers, funders. Um, constantly. It's like being an actor. You know, always going into audition for people and hoping that they choose you. You know, it's it happens all the time, and you know, trying to balance a family and do this at the same time, it's it's really rough. It's really difficult to do. But you know, every once in a while, I get a reminder that this is where I'm supposed to be. So, thank you. We keep going. I I relate to that, especially today, and looking at sort of um, things that I want to do to kind of like progress. Like you know, there are folks who really kind of get it. And I yeah. remember listening to to people of like, why can't this be easier? Why don't they understand it? And, yeah. you know, I've been podcasting for 14 years at this point and been doing this podcast for about four. And, you know, I, I talked to people and I definitely the acting thing. I was so apt. I used that earlier today. I was like, man, I don't need to audition anymore, man. I got 500 podcasts out there. And I was like, nah, just center yourself. Like, let that frustration or whatever it is okay. live. Because, mm -hmm. you know, in this, it's a people are very busy, you know, people mm -hmm. are very flighty at times. And, you know, I'm always very appreciative when, when someone shares their time with me right. and I try to approach what I'm doing with that same sort of consideration and respect. And, right. you know, sometimes it, it is a hassle and, you know, you have the funding conversations and right. it, it's, you're consistently trying to prove what you're doing. And the thing that I run into sometimes is like, this is kind of one of those things of making your own lane and trying to grow it. Yes. And, you know, I, this is against me, you know, <laughs> which yes. it works in some regards really well in finding that sort of group. But, you know, the things that are in there, because this is a digital platform, you know, I want to do more things that are public, but for the most part, to listen mm -hmm. to the podcast is a digital thing. So you got the algorithms against you, you got all of these different things that are kind of like it's baked in for you not right. to succeed and mm -hmm. still having the courage to I think there's it takes courage to create, but the courage to create and combine that with sort of entrepreneurship and the strategy yes. and all of that stuff. Yes. So the name, uh, Sugarcane, yeah. it, what's the significance behind that? I feel like there's, you know, a significance um, with, with the name. Like um, people ask me about why the truth in this art? And I'm like, you want the real answer or do you want the, you know, in these spaces? I feel like I'm writing an artist statement answer because I got both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I actually, and I only have one and Please. I don't do the whole artist statement answer. It's, Thank you. It, yeah. Cause, cause it, it, it doesn't exist. So I was on this very same job that I couldn't stand. Um, and when I decided that I would do this, I was thinking of a name. I'm like, Oh my God, a name, what am I going to call this? And so I start to think about, you know, what do we all have in common? And you know, now that it's over with, I had so many other options. I don't know why I went with this, but, um, I was thinking of things that we had in common, you know, and I was just thinking about, you know, I was thinking about like, what did we cultivate? What did we grow, you know, in Brazil that you could get in West Africa, that you can get in the United States. And I remembered my aunt telling me this story about when she was a little girl that she used to um, chew on sugarcane as a kid. So my family is from Louisiana. And that was, she said, it was just like chewing on a, a like a candy bar. She said, we used to love getting sugarcane. And I was thinking like, wants to chew on a piece of sugar cane for like a snack that hard thing that the girls on the side of the house are you crick but she swore by it and I thought about it and I was like wait a minute that grew in Louisiana and I said you know that grows in the Caribbean mm -hmm. and I was like sugar cane got it that's what this is I love that I love it I um in Louisiana. I love Louisiana. I, I was down in New Orleans recently. You know. Oh, nice. That's you know that's my might might be my home in the next few years. You know. You oh know. yeah, that's a magical city, isn't it? 
Uh, yes, I, I think it's a portal. I really do. I purely think it's a portal. I was like, yes. mm. but uh, yeah, just just going down there and just I always go for my birthday and um, okay. Aquarius angle. So you know, always down there, there and uh, you know, it's 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 that. It just it felt it was a restorative trip and going down there and being around the folks and um, just yes. you know being dipped into the culture that magic you described. Um, so creative path. Like yes. I said, I've been doing, been trying to do this, <laughs> trying to make that lane. And there are bumps in all of these zigzags along the way. It is not a straight line. It is, uh-uh. it is a snake. And if you're not looking right, it might bite you. Yes. Um, so talk about some of the, like, you know, the stops along that the, the path, if you will, within the journey that kind of helped shape you as a, a successful creative entrepreneur. I think that's the word that people throw around these days, one of these $5 words. Uh <laughs> particularly when it comes to your role as the, you know, the head of Sugarcane Magazine. Talk about some of those stops, please. You know, it took a long time to get here. When I first started, I was almost solely focused on content. And I spent a lot of time with artists that, you know, they were broke, poor artists that could never, you know, pay for things. Everything was a struggle. And I did not want to be a part of that. I've wanted to be sure that I could pay people properly for the work that they put in because, you know, this takes time and energy. And I remember early in my career working in a cultural facility where people didn't value thinking, which sounds bad, but let me kind of clean that up. You know, they were very focused on, you know, what did you get up and do? You had to constantly be creating and moving and and doing things and and checking off things off of a list, all of which is necessary for the engine to to move right. But there was no value in taking time to like stop and think about how you can make something great, um, because you were always on a move and there was always an issue with resources. So you were constantly, you know, having to innovate, turn something into nothing you know, on a regular basis. And I did not want to have a business that, that ran on that, you know, and that doesn't mean that it's been easy for me to do this, but, you know, at least I know that even if it takes, you know, no matter how long it takes, you got a check coming, you know, but I'm making sure that you see some fruits from your labor because, you know, intellectual pursuits, you know, require funding as well. So that was always my focus. And because I couldn't figure out how to do that, because I couldn't figure out how to make money and I was trying to sell ads and it was really hard. I kind of sat this down for a second. I took a few years to figure this out. And then I got lucky and I, you know, came into a few dollars and I sat down and said, all right. And so all this goes into this project. And that's what I did. And I went from kind of fledgling to like, picking up steam and moving very, very quickly. Um, And we just got lucky. And I ran into some snakes along the way, you know, no doubt, you know, especially when, when you're creating a lane for yourself and you do well, everybody wants to get in that lane with you. And I always tell people, and I know some people say, you know, it's unrealistic and it may be, I say, you don't have to copy what other people do because you don't know what they had to do to get to that point Mm -hmm. but it's okay to look at someone and say i like what you're doing and then figure out your own magic instead um instead of you know kind of carbon copying what other people do so i've had to deal with that but my focus has been on doing really good work and angela carroll who is also based out of baltimore Mm -hmm. She has always been my rock about that. You know, she was like, you know, don't worry about anybody else. She was like, look at what you do. And she was absolutely right. One day I was like, dog, you know what, Angela, you, you're you right. You know, I, I I focused on the work. And I think that's what's made us successful. You know, it's making sure that we have good work out there. And that's what I want to be known for. And I got it in yeah. my weird way. I never talked about having like a million clicks a day or, you know, 20 billion visits in a month, you know, and maybe I should have, but if I did not focus on content, then I would not have been known for good work. I would have been like, there's some websites that I've heard of that, you know, they have great traffic, 
But I hear even PR folks say we never pitch them because their work is so crappy, you know. So the goal was to to put out good work about Black art and culture. And that's what we did. And that's what we've done. And it's it's worked out. And I've been able to grow because of that. That's, and I'm, I'm very proud. That's that's great to hear. Um, and again, you know, it's just something relatable. And I've interviewed Angela. So shout out to Angela. Yes. Um, and yeah, I, I think, you know, yeah, one, I'll, I'll say in doing these interviews, I'm a gentleman thief. Anything that you're saying here, I'm using it to make myself seem more interesting. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, as Melissa Hunter Davis said in this thing, I'll do that. And I'll just wax philosophical about musings of my own interviews. So that's just yes. what I do. But I, I think there's something really important that you, that you said there is like, you know, knowing really it, from what I'm what I'm taking from it knowing what that purpose is, you know, the purpose right. is making sort of that good content staying in what the lane is you're determining versus, yes. you know, some of these lanes that other people will try to decide, like, oh yeah, you need to have this many clicks. Yeah. And I used to be, because I'm a data analyst by day, so I can speak the analytics conversation when people ask me, so tell me about your downloads. And they don't want the extra context. They just want to hear the numbers. And I'm like, it's right. the wild west out there. And I'll, I'll tell people, and I was like, let's, when we talk about impact, I was like, look at these reviews, look at what people are saying. That is sort of the storytelling component. Nah, we right. need raw numbers. You bringing in 10,000 a month? Not, not too many people are. <laughs> let me let me tell you about, about those that number situation. We're gonna go back to 2014. It was a year my mother died. And I was afraid that the work wasn't impactful. I would have like these crazy conversations with people, especially in particular locally here in South Florida. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I need to give this up. Maybe this isn't for me. And I went into um, Art Basel season thinking this will probably be my last year and I won't be doing this anymore. That year I did the guide to Black, finding Black art during Art Basel Miami Beach. I didn't get an email. I didn't get a phone call. No one said, hey, great job. We love the guy. I never heard from anyone. Mm -hmm. I went about the week and I went to an art talk. I was supposed to go see someone. And instead I said, you know what? I want to be sure that I support so-and-so. So I'm going to go to this art talk. So I just kind of walk in and I'm like in my head and I'm thinking about things and I just sit down. I don't speak to anybody because like, there's a whole conversation going on in my head. And this guy was like, hi. And I stopped. I'm like, oh, how are you doing? And he starts asking me questions like, oh, so what do you do? And so when I told him I'm a publisher and he says, what do you publish? And so I told him about sugarcane. And he was like, what? And he goes in his bag and he grabs all these pieces of paper and he printed out the guide. Now, at that time, <laughs> I don't even think that I had a printing option. So you printed out the whole page. It was like 14 pages. Yeah, yeah. And he printed each and every one of them out. And he said, this is how I'm getting around Basel this year. And he was a collector. Wow. A major collector who had pieces in museums at that moment that museums have borrowed for exhibitions. Wow. You don't know the value mm -hmm. of who is listening. It doesn't matter if it's 10 people. Who cares? Let's imagine you had 10,000 clicks and they don't share they don't mm -hmm. buy anything. They don't respond. It's just 10,000. Who cares? But That's... when you have a community, even a community of 10 yeah. that are active, that are buying, that are getting memberships, a museum membership is like what? 150, 250 at yeah. least. Bottom, like bottom basement price, right? That's a lot. That's it's true. And I, and I think like, you know, it, it reminds me like, and as I like go around and I'm, I'm, in, I'm in Baltimore and I, more and more people know me which mm -hmm. is really interesting. It's like, yo, Rob, I'm like, like, yeah, man, great interview. It's like, it's like, they feel like they know me from the podcast. Yes. It's like, there's an engagement there. And then on the other side of it, and, and, and I, and I love that because it, it scares me as well. Cause you know, East side, <laughs> but, but also it is this thing where, you know, folks from like large publications are like, oh no, I'm aware of your work. I was like, oh, yes. Like when I interviewed her dog, I was from, from hyperallergic. I was like, how do you know about my work? It's like, yeah. okay, what's, what's shaking, man? What's, what's up, man? You? It's that hyperallergic money, baby. <laughs> so, it, so it feels it feels really good to, you know, be someone who I I, I was a failed art kid. I, I was like, I want to be an illustrator, and it didn't really work out. And now, kind of approaching creativity and kind of trying to help document and preserve and facilitate storytelling, 
and do something that is close to me and like helping using the thing that I'm good at and doing podcasting and trying to help with, 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 with doing stories. It's like, Oh, I found it, but in a different way, again, yes. going to that road that is ever winding. You know, it's, 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 there's all these opportunities are there. Um, it's a matter for us to, what matters is that we find that audience and, talk to them as much as possible and get them to talk back to you. That's why I really love social media is when I got that out. That's how I found my audience. I didn't know they existed until social and people started reaching out to me, like on, you know, these virtual art talks, you know, people that I didn't even know would, would know me. Like when you find, like you mentioned, like somebody from Hyperallergic or um, the, the editor of, um, of Artnet was following me on my personal page. And I was like, wait, what? Like, hey, what's 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 shaking? Are you a bot? (laughs) And I was like, oh, that's really you for real, for real. Okay. So, you know, yeah. You know, those are the people, and and those people matter because the people who are asking you about clicks, those people that they put all of that that value on, Mm -hmm. those are the people following us. And I always remind people of that is that whenever they they say, oh, we don't want to talk to this small publication or that small publication, I was like, first of all, the large publications know who you are because they read these Mm -hmm. small outlets. And sometimes they just know that, oh, that didn't get enough shares. So they feel like, oh, we can kind of swoop in and kind of add on to it. But that's where this all starts at. That's where they pay attention to you from. Mm -hmm. You know, like think about all those music blogs that people really like that you don't hear about because that's where you hear like all this up and coming talent that's doing, you know, innovative work. And that's who, you know, all these other artists are, you know, secretly going to either to snatch up their producers or to snatch them up to do their projects. So never be afraid of what they say your numbers are. It's the value and the quality. That's what matters. Yeah. Thank you. And I I, I agree. Like, you know, I'm a volume guy and I try to make sure that in that volume and, and the volume is more of I love doing it. So I just kind of have that space. It's like, all right, I can knock on a couple of interviews today. And even I was in New Orleans, I'm supposed to be down there for my birthday trip. And I'm down, I booked like five interviews in like three days. And and they were really like, you know, got some cred from like some folks. It's like, oh, you talk to the real people. You didn't do the tourist thing. I was like, man, I've been down here like four times, player. You know, it's what it is. And I I think to kind of like put a pin on that is the, in having the conversation, because like, I'm a radio nerd and I've done a little stuff in radio. I'll have a conversation with someone in the radio industry and tell them my numbers. I'm like, wow, you're doing that as an independent. They're blown away. But then talking to someone who's a funder potentially. Oh yeah. I don't really know. Those numbers ain't, ain't, ain't nothing. So I'm like the person in the industry that would know they're like, wow. And you're like, eh, eh, we're not going to fund it. So to the funders who are listening, I know that that's what, and that's because what they need, because either that's people tell them that those numbers matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can tell you that if you follow people who are in the industry who are looking at social media now, even big companies that are hiring um, creators to do advertising, they don't care about the numbers anymore. They care about engagement. Mm. And they care about quality because they can always flip that content and put it in front of a large audience. They don't necessarily need you to do it. So there needs to be a conversation where we stop looking at hard numbers and start looking at communities, the communities around these people who um, who are coming to you for funding. It makes more sense um, because that's what keeps will keep your name in their mouth. So when they know that um, sponsored by Mellon Foundation, You know, this matters to that audience and that's the audience that will very likely be able to donate or be able to support other projects of Melon and be able to talk about Melon and say that, oh, they support the black community and keep that conversation going. Hard numbers and large numbers aren't always necessary. And sometimes in the arts, we get we don't get this information until it's too late and then people have moved on. You know, we can we tend to be behind a lot of things. So this is your little tip funding world just dropping jewels yeah to to go ahead and start switching that up you have plenty of time now to switch up that that uh language on your forms (laughs) 
Yeah. Go, yeah. let's go do that right now. Do it by February 1st. Gotcha. <laughs> I, I, and, and I like, you know, having my name in folks mouth. I feel like my name tastes like beef jerky. So that's, that's, that's great. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's really stupid. Uh, um, so in, 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 as you think about um, maybe in, let's say, last few years, because I think, you know, with the pandemic and, and with the way things have shifted and how we go about things, like, for instance, mu- museum industry has changed, I think, a lot. Yes. What uh, could you share some of the, you know, projects or some of the artists that you've you featured on Sugar, Sugar Cane Magazine that have really stood out to you, like projects or, or artists that really stood out um, to, to you over the last few years, especially like kind of combating a pandemic and just people looking at things slightly different? You know, there's this young man and he moves around all the time. So the last time I spoke to him, he was in Switzerland, but I think he's in Netherlands in the Netherlands now because he sent me some artwork and that's where it came from. So he's constantly bouncing around Europe. Idris Habib has been an artist that I followed on Instagram for years. When I say years, I think like 2014, 2015. Um and he was always tagging me. Like he constantly was tagging me, sending me DMs of his work. And I was like, oh, yes, great. I love it. Great. Okay. Congratulations. And I, you know, I was watching him. And then one day he switched his style up and I was like, wait, hold up. And it was so nice watching him grow. So maybe I think it was in 2020. There was this right. I can't tell too much of this because that might be putting his missus out in the street. So there's a guy. It'll be too bad because you might have the issue. We're gonna skip all that backstory. He ends up in sugarcane. We're gonna leave it like that because then people gonna be mad. He ends up in sugarcane, and I put the issue on um, on Facebook. And the next morning, I think I did like on a Wednesday. On a Saturday morning, I get all of these tags like on Facebook and on Instagram from some guy that I don't know from the DMV. Don't know him. And he was like, oh my God, I love this artist. And I went and I bought his work. I think that man dropped $3,000 within minutes. Oof. So I was like, wait, who is this? Because the, the what he was supposed to do, the, the call to action was to subscribe to Sugar Game. It wasn't about his boy's art. <laughs> but he skipped that it went and found him and bought his artwork so I sent him a DM and I said did this man really buy work from you he said since you put that up he said my DMs have been blowing up he said I have sold so much work over this weekend that's great I was like what so to thank me he sent me a piece that's... I'll just say thank you but so watching him grow has been great Bisa Butler, who is almost like a given. Um, I've been watching her for years. She was with a gallery out of San Francisco, like maybe 2017, 2018. Um, so to see her like just explode yeah. has been so gratifying. And she is such a sweet, down-to-earth person, you know. And this is somebody who is friends with everybody that you want to be friends with, who has known everybody who is in everyone's collection. She's never said that she knows Beyonce, but I'm pretty sure she does. <laughs> like she knows her mama. So she probably knows Beyonce too. And she is still humble and she is still kind. And I, I adore her. So it has been wonderful watching her grow and watching, you know, all the work that she's done. Um, I've worked with Mikhail Solomon over at Prism Art Fair for quite a few years. And there are so many artists, um, Amber Robles Gordon, who has been in the trenches for a minute. And I feel like in 2022, she like kicked a door down and said, God darn it, you going to like let me in? And I'm not playing with you. And she knocked it down and she went in there and she wasn't playing with him. And so seeing her grow has been phenomenal as well. So there's lots of lots of great people that I've seen. And and I'm I'm proud of so many people. Um, but those are the ones who kind of stick out in my head right now. Definitely interviewed Amber. And it was a yes. it was a fun interview. I was like, oh, this is what we're talking about. And I remember <laughs> I was in uh, I think I was in Nashville um, and I was just walking by because now 
because I'm doing these conversations, my my eye is now affixed to, oh, that seems interesting. Oh, there's some art right there. And yes. I'm going to like get pretentious coffee because that's what I do is get pretentious coffee. And <laughs> I'm passing it like a place that had art. It, wasn't, it didn't seem like it was a gallery or what have you, but it had art in there. So maybe they were setting up for a show or something, but I see one of her pieces. And I was like, oh, hey, you know, take a picture. Yes. Send it over. I was like, y'all see your stuff. Or I, I remember doing an interview um, with uh, Ms. Icar and that, that collective and I was, it was the first time I went up there to Philadelphia for this series that's ongoing. I've been tapping okay. into the Philly arts and culture scene. And mm-hmm. when I get off the train, you know, of course I'm lost because I don't live there. And I'm like, where the hell am I going? And I see, because I'm lost, I see, I think a girl of theirs. I'm like, yo, text, send it over. And it's just like, it's, it's great to see people that I've I've talked to people that I've read and people I follow, like just kind of getting out there in a bigger, badder way. And yes. I can say, hey, I know them. Or hey, yes. I talked to them. You know, they really yes. like the movie Aliens. You know, it, it's, yes. it's something like that. So I have I have one last real question before we get to the rapid fire questions or the BS okay. questions as some people have called them. Yeah. Uh so as we, as we close out, I, I would like to ask, in your opinion, um, what do you believe the, to, to be the most uh, critical characteristic, quality, or even quirk um, to be successful in the creative industry? And that's macroly speaking, creative industry. <laughs> that's a hard question, which is so weird. You know, I can say for me. Sure. I don't give up. I continue to to push forward to get my point across. Um, I've seen, I've seen so many, especially visual artists, Mm -hmm. um, they have a a, a philosophy on life and their work constantly reinforces that philosophy. And I think that that's really important is to not be afraid to say something over and over again so people get it and to be able to move through the muck to get to the promised land. So I find that even, you know, some of my colleagues or even young people I know, you know, they will maybe do a project or two and they will abandon it and move on and not really continue on with a legacy of of creating more and more, you know, content or doing more and more work so that, you know, there are many generations that can kind of join this. And I think that's a mistake. Um, So I would say that making sure that you don't give up and you can really stick with stick with the work is what's important. I I agree with it. I agree with you so much there. Just, you know, the I guess the youngsters, they say having a dog in you and being being dogged and just going after going after the thing. you know, in this this whole process of, you know, sometimes people are unkind, sometimes you don't get a message mm. back. And, you know, I I run into it. It's like I can't be daunted by it. It's like, mm-hmm. what am I driving at? And also being very and I, and I part of the and I've mentioned this before, I think um, part of my process and kind of coming up with questions and trying to just be in that headspace is really diving into books and, and learning to, from other people who are dis, who are discussing creativity. You know, right. like I'm like right now I'm in that Rick Rubin book and really okay. going going by this this interview he had and you you know he was asked I think it was like Anderson Cooper he's like do you play any instruments he's like no he's like do you have any musical background he's like no he's like but what I can do is articulate my you know my tastes in a way yes. that and I was like that's what I'm doing yes. and. And I and I've talked to like you know people who are curators or what have you because you have people who will tell you like you're not a journalist you're not an anthropologist eh, you're a podcaster and we don't know if that's really anything and I keep just doing it I keep doing the thing that I'm doing and I just have this sort of belief in it that there's something that I'm getting out of it but also right. because I, I steal from you guys but there, there's <laughs> there's something that that people find value in and right. being able to tap into the sort of like thought process and the thinking that goes into folks work. So, right. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm really kind of taking out of it. So, so thank you for, for sharing that. And thank you for in, indulging the real questions before all of that goodwill that was there goes out of the window with these rapid fire questions. But before we get to those rapid please, fire questions, I want to tell you what it really helped me because I still have moments where I'm like, maybe I need to go get a job. There was some rapper like, it was some rapper who had finally blown up and 
he was telling his story about how he tried to get into New York radio and he would go to all the DJs and they would like, he would go to the radio stations, do everything and they would never play his stuff. And so eventually like he makes it. And now he was like, now the people who wouldn't play my stuff now, they're like forced to play it all the time. And someone asked like, you know, how do you deal with these people who used to turn you down all the time? And he was like, oh, we're in a game. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like, oh, it meant so much to me. So now those no's, I don't take, I don't take no's as no's. I take them as a not right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just a not right now. So like we've gotten, you know, advertising from people who would like, wouldn't even respond to me. And then all of a sudden came back, oh, we would like to sponsor this. You know, so just because you get a no doesn't mean it's a no. It's just a not right now. That's true. You'll that's get true. a chance to come back to it and they'll do more than what you asked for initially. That's that's true. And you're, you're absolutely right. I, I had that at the end of last year and uh, it's like, yeah, we don't fund this sort of project. And then they came back. So we like what you do. And I was like, boom, I love it. Love yes. to hear it. So, no, yeah. that that's that's really great, actually. Um, yeah. And yeah, just kind of taking those things in, into account that, yeah, it's a not right now. Sometimes it's a timing thing. And sometimes yeah. it's just. I don't really see it now and you're so far ahead. And that's, that's the thing that I've yes. heard from folks that we're not quite there yet. And once people are there, it's like, yo, we need you. Can you, can you please come through? So yes. yeah, I definitely get it. Yes. So now, now it is that time for the rapid fire questions. Oh, watch out. They're okay. ridiculous questions. They're there. So, okay. you know, brevity is key. Don't overthink it. Um, and the first one, the first one is, it's a really goofy question because, you know, okay. I think magazine, I think writing. So I got to ask, what is your favorite font? You know, a very trolly question. I know I don't. You know, what I want to tell you. And I just had this conversation with my daughter. If any of you have worked with me, please don't come for me. Don't get mad. Don't like don't take my phone calls when I ask you to design something. I never get the fonts that I want. I always want those cool fonts that's like they like them guys in Germany make up. <laughs> Like, I don't even know what they called. Like, it's some brand new font they just came out with yesterday. <laughs> they all six. in, like, <laughs> Germany, Belgium, somewhere. And all they do is, like, make font. I like those fonts. What do they call, child? I don't know. Go look up funny fonts and all of those. Those are the ones that I like. That's I, really what I want. I think I'm going to start writing. This is, this is going to sound ridiculous. I think I'm going to write my artist statement in Wingdings, that font. Just to see. <laughs> no, I don't like winding. Now that's the no. <laughs> but I like control. all those like really like, <clears throat> you know, minimalists. Mm-hmm. You know, I was around when the wall was up in Berlin type feels. <laughs> when the I user V's. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like those are the things that I adore. And people never get whenever they give me stuff, I'm like, dog, what? Okay. Um, what is the best piece of advice you've received child probably none honestly that's terrible isn't it i can't think of any really like great advice i can tell you what i've had to tell myself after getting crappy advice is typically do the opposite of whatever it is that i've been told to do so um there was someone who thought i hope you don't ever hear this there was somebody who wanted who thought that sugarcane should only be local to south florida Mm -hmm. and they said if i did that that i would make a lot of money and he did not get that. I was like, this was never the point. This is always focused on international arts and culture. And if I had not have done that, I would never been able to tell these interesting stories with a lot of the artists that I've had. So I didn't take that advice. I think that's the best piece of advice. And I've been countered that as well. Hey man, just kind of focus in this area. And I was like, no, I've, I've interviewed folks in Brazil and in Berlin and in Britain and so, you know, able to reach out and they're like, yeah, sure. We'll do it. So yeah, why would I stop that? You know, I like to, you know, even when it comes to the conversation that we want you to do this many, it's like, cool. I still want to have the bandwidth to do the ones that I want to do outside of the ones that obligated contractually to do, if you will. Yes. You know, in those sort of instances. Um, so, yeah, definitely. It's like, no, nah, yeah, I'm going to do the opposite. So this is the last one I got for you. Um, okay. We, we like visuals. We like color. Um I, I joke on occasion with my partner about I'm just going to become an art guy wearing tiny glasses, big scarf, all black. And she's like, I'm looking forward to it. She's like, come on, can't wait. Um, <laughs> so 
what is your favorite color combination? And using that as sort of like the backdrop of oh, my basil and, and wearing this. What is your favorite color combination to wear? Pink and red. Pink so is my absolute Delta. favorite color. I love red. Um, I I like color. It was something that I went to um, a friend of mine's good friend's house and she they have a name. I don't know what they're called, but she was essentially a female Babalao. And we just, we didn't go over there for anything. We just went there just to visit her. But I didn't know that's what she was. And I guess the spirit was moved to talk to me through her. And when, when I went there, I was wearing like black pants, black shirt, black shoes. And she said, you know, the spirit said that you need to stop wearing all black because they need to see you. And I never forgot that. And black is very easy for me to fall into because it's a safe color. And especially like if I'm feeling down or depressed or like I don't like the way my body looks, I'm going to probably wear all black. But I always remember what she told me, that the spirit needs you in color because they need to see you. So mm-hmm. I, I like wearing color. Again, I, like I said, gentleman thief, I'm stealing that because I am always because <laughs> I'm trying to hide. Right. Like I'm six, four. Right. And it's like I'm six, four, like 300 pounds. It's like you can't hide. G. You just look like a tall, like stagehand. So, you know, <laughs> but I wear like a like a thick dookie rope with it, like the gold. And it's like it's just ridiculous. It's a whole vibe. And yeah. but I, I like wearing burgundy. So I think I'm going to start like still staying with, you know, kind of these muted colors. But, you know, bringing color in there. So, you know, the spirits can see me. Yeah. Um, so so one thank you this is this has been a thank treat you. you're just so great to chat with and i really appreciate the time and um with that i want to invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks the listeners where they can check you out um, and all things uh, sugarcane magazine the floor is yours oh thank you so you can find us at sugarcanemag.com you can find us on all socials at sugarcane magazine can i talk about my podcast please so we do have a podcast called This Week in Caribbean Art and Culture. Um, so we're making sure that we try to expand that conversation about the diaspora. Um, so yeah, you can find us at This Week in This Week at Caribbean Art and Culture on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. And that's where you can find us. We have an I wish I could tell you the good good news that we have coming out, but I'll tell I'll send you an email and I then you can like maybe send it out with this. Oh, you might be able to tell them then. Yeah, I can tell them that. We'll send out the email by that time. So, yeah, that's where you can find us. And there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Melissa Hunter-Davis for coming on to the podcast from Sugarcane Magazine. And I am Rob Lee saying that there's art and culture in and around your neighborhood. You just got to look for it. Music.